What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome in to Duval Daily, presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're looking at PFF's latest power rankings from Sam Monson. Uh, the Jaguars, where they come in, are they underrated? Are they perhaps a little overrated? We'll take a look at that today. Again, we are live here Wednesday, June 8th. Kind of into the NFL dead period, if you will. Uh, there's not a lot going on. Good morning, John. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We could not do this without you guys. If you're a fan of the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube. It means a lot to me, a lot to the channel. Keeps us going here. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And, of course, it is Wednesday, so we will have a DeLugo on Duval over on the relevant app at 2 p.m. today. We'll be talking about the Jaguars' defensive side of the ball, what they can do in 2022. But right now, we're looking at Sam Monson's PFF power rankings, latest power rankings over there on pff.com. So we'll start at the bottom. The Seahawks come in at 32nd, which might come as a little surprise to some, but uh, they are in a bit of a transitional stage at this point. Do not have a quarterback of the future as Russell Wilson goes to Denver. Chicago Bears, again, not surprising. A uh, team that really struggled in 2021 to support Justin Fields. Uh, they have an entirely new regime, new coaching staff, and it doesn't look like things have gotten that much better around Fields for year two. The Atlanta Falcons, uh, another team that doesn't have a quarterback of the future. Uh, kind of in a rebuilding stage, year two of the Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot build up there. Carolina Panthers come in at 29. Again, another team whose quarterback situation is unsettled. You look at head coach Matt Rule, he's probably on uh, maybe one of the hottest seats in the NFL entering 2022 after a couple disappointing seasons. 
Houston Texans come in at 28. We'll go ahead and read their blurb since their division rival. The Texans were able to finally start their rebuild by trading away Deshaun Watson. And goodness, that situation with Watson uh, just keeps getting more and more ugly, to be completely honest. But anyways, yes, Monson says Texans are able to finally start their rebuild by trading away Deshaun Watson for a huge haul of picks. That move happened too late in the day for them to be big players in free agency. So the project really started in the draft. Davis Mills flashed some surprisingly good play as a rookie, and he'll get at least another season to show he can be a future starter. But this project has really only just begun. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure they should be ranked ahead of some of the teams that they are ranked ahead of just because their talent level was really low last year. Obviously, they were able to beat up on the Jaguars, but um, I think the Texans are still a good ways away. And I do think Davis Mills can develop into a decent starting quarterback, a kind of a guy that you just have that you probably want to replace, but you can be decent with, but he's going to need some help. I think the defense still has a long way to go. And overall, their offensive weapons are uh, lower tier, even though I'm a big fan of Brandon Cooks. Then we get to your Jacksonville Jaguars. They come in at 27th. Sam Monson says, Jacksonville were big spenders this offseason, but it's tough to discern a strategy to that spending beyond simply paying big money to players the team could convince to come to Jacksonville. Brandon Scherf and Christian Kirk were big investments on the offensive line and receiving core, but even with them, neither unit should be above league average. The draft was all about rolling the dice on talent, so there's a real chance the Jaguars are relying simply on the upgrade from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson to boost Trevor Lawrence's play in year two. A lot to unpack there, right? Zach is whack, says, yo, yo. He says one thing about missing work is catching the live show. Yeah, that is a good thing. I don't recommend missing work too much just to watch the live show here, but I do appreciate you being here. Robert says, any news on CJ? Nope. I believe you're talking about CJ Bethard. No, we do not have any update on his injury that he suffered at the end of practice on Monday, 7th OTA for the Jaguars. He was carted off the field with an apparent leg injury. So we are waiting word on that from the team. You're hoping for the best, obviously. And uh, we'll just have to wait to see how that plays out before we really dive into the situation. So let's break down what we've got a barking dog in the background here. Break down what. Sam Monson has said here, Jacksonville were big spenders, but it's tough to discern a strategy to that big spending. Uh, I would go ahead and right off the bat, I would disagree with that, right? How how can you say that there's no strategy? You add Christian Kirk, who's a dynamic offensive weapon, right? Uh, you add Brandon Scherf, who is going to shore up your right guard spot and be a leader on this offensive line. Best offensive lineman the Jaguars have had in quite a while. No disrespect to Brandon Linder, but Brandon Scherf is on a different tier. Five out of seven Pro Bowls, just consistently one of the more dominant guards in the NFL, uh, despite dealing with some injuries, certainly. But how can you say that adding a Christian Kirk and Brandon Scherf is not going to be a big upgrade? Uh, How do you not see the plan here? Adding Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, 
to an offense that really struggled last year. You've upgraded each of those positions. I don't really see how you could say that you don't see a plan. And then on the defensive side of the ball and free agent spending, you brought in Foley Fatu Kasi, who played under Mike Caldwell or played on a defense that Mike Caldwell was a part of as a coach in New York. And he showed really impressive ability to be a, a, a nose tackle, a one tech, uh, eat up the center and the guard and be a hell of a run defender. Foley Fatu Kasi and the Jaguars struggled to stop the run in 2021. You add him to the middle of your defense. I'm not sure how that doesn't make sense. Then you get Foye uh, Aluakun and Devin Lloyd in here to shore up the linebacker spot along with Chad Muma as the third linebacker. And again, you're loading up to stop the run and to make plays. Uh, you're in a division that features Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. Now Damian Pierce is in Houston. You don't see a plan here. I'm not following that at all. And then you also shore up your pass defense by bringing in Darius Williams. And drafting Monteric Brown and Gregory Jr., who both of whom I think have some staying power in the league as long as they can come in and have their act straight. So just the first sentence alone, tough to discern a strategy. The strategy is to improve every level of your team, which the Jaguars looked like they did this offseason. Now, Brandon Scherf and Christian Kirk, um, he says, even after adding them, neither unit should be above the league average. That is difficult for me to disagree with. I, I agree there. I don't think the Jaguars offensive line has somehow vaulted to being an elite offensive line. I don't think the Jaguars receiving core is elite by any stretch of the imagination. But last year, the Jaguars had the worst receiving situation in football after DJ Chart got injured. LaVisca Chenault wasn't ready to be a starting outside receiver. Uh, the offense was not designed with any rhyme or reason. You had Daryl Bevel trying to institute what he wanted to have going on. You had Urban Meyer trying to bring in uh, some different college wrinkles, and it was just a pairing that made no sense. Chase says, I made it. Glad you made it, Chase. Robert says, just the linebackers on special teams is going to shut those punt returns down. I don't know who was talking about punt returns, but I hear you. Hudat says, hopefully this defense gives Trevor and the offense more opportunities on the field to put points up. Absolutely. That's something we'll talk about. Chase says, Agnew and Arnold injury too. Yeah, okay, yeah. DJ Chark was not the only one who got injured. Marvin Jones missed some time. Agnew missed a lot of time. Dan Arnold missed a lot of time. Yeah, uh, I mean, Brandon Linder missed almost half the season. So, yeah, I, I hear you there. Obviously, A.J. Can went down early on. That might not have been much of a drop-off or any drop-off between him and Ben Barch, to be completely honest. I think Barch has a bright future as a, a decent starter in the NFL. 
But yeah, I agree that neither unit is really above league average. But when you look at what they were last year, major upgrade. Uh, And let's be honest. Doug Peterson's offense in Philly never featured a bunch of superstar receivers. They had great offensive line play. I'll give you that. But I don't think the Jaguars offensive line is is lower third in the NFL. I do think they're right there in the middle. And and with an offense that is thoughtfully designed and multiple in a lot of different ways and plays being called by Doug Peterson, can you get by with league average receivers and league average offensive line play? And when I say receivers, I'm talking about wide receivers. I do not think the Jaguars have an average tight end room. Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold being your one and two, I think they could have massive impacts for the Jaguars in this Doug Peterson offense. Doug Peterson, he has used Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard. I know all those guys are talented, but guess what? Evan Ingram's talented too, and so is Dan Arnold. Out of all those guys, Evan Ingram's the best athlete by far. Telling me Doug Peterson's not going to figure out ways to get him the ball. He caught seven passes in OTA practices on Monday in team drills. Hudat says Doug P comes up with ways to spread the ball. He absolutely does. The closest thing they had to a wide receiver one in Philly was Alshon Jeffrey, and that was beyond his prime. He was no longer in his prime. He was a big body, but guess what? Marvin Jones can play possession receiver. Zay Jones can play possession receiver. All right, moving on here. Sam Monson writes, the draft was all about rolling the dice on talent, so there's a real chance that the Jaguars are relying simply on the upgrade from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson to boost Trevor Lawrence's play in year two. Again, I I believe what he's talking about here is obviously the Jaguars just swinging for the fences with Trayvon Walker, which I think is fair to say. Robert says LaVisca's confidence got injured. I would agree with that. It was not a good situation for LaVisca last year. It wasn't a good situation for anybody on the Jaguars roster last year. They were being coached by an absolute buffoon, a fraud, a liar. about rolling the dice on talent. Okay, so Trayvon Walker, in my mind, it was not a roll of a dice, right? He is an excellent run defender already. He is an excellent playmaker, a guy that just makes plays above the above and beyond the X's and O's. A guy that drops in coverage and makes big plays. You can line him up outside linebacker, defensive end. You can line him up on the interior. You can even line him up as a stack backer like the Bulldogs did. Chase says might be a top 10 to 5 tight end room now. Yeah, I would say they have a top five, a top 10 tight end room. And it could be a lot more than that. That's just based off what those guys have done prior to joining a Doug Peterson offense. Now that they're in the Doug Peterson offense and you add in Chris Manhurts who is one of the best blocking tight ends in football, and Luke Farrell, who I think has a chance to be a reliable role player at tight end in the NFL. Yeah, I think they have a top 10 tight end room. I really do. I think you'll see that play out 
2022. But looking at the draft, saying it's just a roll of the dice on talent, I don't agree with that with Trayvon Walker. He's going to help you stop the run. In your division, you have got to stop the run. And when he, he's been working pretty consistently with Josh Allen, with outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey, just off to the side, those three guys just getting after it. So is there a chance that with Trayvon Walker's freakish athletic ability and strength and length that he develops some pass rush moves pretty quickly when that's what he's primarily focusing on this offseason? Yeah, I do think there's a chance that he does that in year one. Robert says Ingram looks good, but still double clutches the ball once in a while. Visca had the same problem last year. Well, Visca never had a drop problem prior to 2021. So I'm betting on him uh, getting back to what we saw from him prior to that. Yeah, Evan Ingram, I agree. He He's not the most consistent tight end on the planet. But you will take the highs that you get from him uh, for a couple drops throughout the season. And then you look at adding Devin Lloyd, Luke Fortner, Chad Muma. How is this rolls of the dice on talent? These are all really, really good players that are going to help the Jaguars. Luke Fortner, we'll see if he's able to get into the starting lineup in year one. But Chad Muma will find the field. He'll be a special teams player at worst uh, that also has a role on the defense as the third linebacker. I just don't really see the analysis being spot on here outside of the fact that I don't think the offensive line, or the wide receivers are above league average. I would agree with that at this point. Do I think there is a a chance for both units to be better than league average? Yeah. Brandon Scherf is a stud at right guard. I think Shatley and Barch uh, are both quality players. I think Cam Robinson is a quality player. And then if you pl- plug in Walker Little at right tackle, what's the ceiling for him? He's a big, impressive athlete who developed throughout his rookie year in 2021, really showed out over the last two games of the season, really blanked the Colts and the Patriots' pass rush on that side of the ball. Two good defensive units. Yeah, Robert says Ingram only had like six more drops than Kittle. Six is a lot. Uh, That's a pretty big difference there, but... There are effective offensive weapons in the NFL who sometimes struggle to hold on to the football. Look at Debo Samuel. He dropped over 10% of his passes last year. But it's about what they do when they do catch the football. And I think Evan Ingram is going to be targeted often. I think he's going to make big plays for the Jaguars. Volkfang says every player had the worst year of their career under Urban. I'm excited to see how much of a step up all these guys take when they're out from underneath that shadow. Yeah, I almost entirely agree. I mean, every single player on the Jaguars roster for the most part underperformed last year outside of maybe like James Robinson before he started dealing with the Achilles. He was balling out. Dad's texting me if you started your video yet. Yes, I have, Dad. Sorry. All right. The final sentence of Sam Monson's analysis. They're relying simply on the upgrade from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson to boost Trevor Lawrence's play in year two. 
I don't agree that they're relying simply on the upgrade from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson to boost Trevor Lawrence's play in year two, but I do think they are betting on the ability for Doug Peterson to elevate these guys, and for good reason. Doug Peterson has consistently gotten the most out of his uh, rosters as a head coach and as an offensive play caller throughout his career. Chef Florida boy says chase on will be a lot better. You know, that's interesting, right? Um, chase on, I think he's going to have a hard time beating out Dewan Smoot, beating out Arden key for major roles as, as role players for the Jaguars. But I think he should be better with Mike Caldwell as his coach, uh, as his defensive coordinator, Doug Peterson, as his head coach, I can't disagree with that assessment. But how does he find the field when you've got Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Dewan Smoot, Arden Key? I think it's going to be really difficult for him to find the field. But if he comes out and shows his talent in training camp as a former first overall pick, I mean, excuse me, first round pick, 20th overall. Critty says, if Little wins right to you, would you try Taylor at guard? I would not. I think if if Little wins right tackle, which I expect he will, then I would have Jawan Taylor as the swing tackle. I don't think Taylor has the strength um, and the demeanor to play guard, to be completely honest. Critty says Key's going to play some inside. Uh, yeah, I mean, on third downs, you put Arden Key inside. I agree with you. You line him up over a guard and his athletic ability and length is difficult for guards to keep up with. And that's where Arden key succeeded most in San Francisco last year. So yeah, absolutely. You'll get, you're going to see a lot of these guys in a lot of different positions on the defensive side of the ball. I hope they're able to find a niche for chase on to come in and make plays. Krakatoa says Darius Williams is going under the radar from what I've seen, super underrated. Part of that is that he's not on the practice field right now. He's still uh, rehabbing from his injury he suffered in the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I think the addition of Darius Williams probably is a little underrated. You now have three reliable cornerbacks. Tyson Campbell is ascending. Shaquille Griffin is a solid leader and a good overall player. And Darius Williams is another good cover corner who can thrive in man or zone. And despite his size, really can make a nice impact for the Jaguars. So when you look at the Jaguars 27th, I don't think it's crazy to put them at 27, but a look at a couple of the other teams above them. New York Giants. I don't see how you compare the Jaguars and Giants um, and and give the Giants the upper hand. I do like some of the things the Giants have done this offseason. Don't get me wrong. I am a fan of Brian Dayball. I'm a fan of Kayvon Thibodeau, of Evan Neal. They've got pieces. What they don't have, in my opinion, is a quarterback that they can lean on. Is Brian Dayball going to come in and make some magic with, with Daniel Jones? Uh, and Daniel Jones's last shot to really prove that he should be a starter in the NFL? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, I would not have the Giants in front of the Jaguars. And Brian Dayball, look, as much as I like him as an offensive coordinator, and I think he should be a good head coach, Doug Peterson's done it. And he has a quarterback that you know you can get a lot out of. 
Krakatoa says, do you go to the camps? I do. Yeah. I've been at OTAs. Mini camp will be next week. And then training camp will start in mid to late July. I'll be out there for sure. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo to see some of those live updates. So the Giants at 26 are ahead of the Jaguars here. The Jets at 25 are ahead of the Jaguars here. Again, I think you might look at the total of the roster and overall see more talent on the Jets roster, but it's youthful in key positions. Uh, you look at the guys that you're most excited about at receiver, Garrett Wilson and and uh, Moore, they're both you know very young, not much experience. I can see you arguing the Jets have a better overall roster, but I think the Jaguars have the advantage with quarterback play and coaching. Are those the two most important things that you can have an advantage at? I would say so. I would have the Jaguars above both New York football teams. Krakatoa says, what did you see out of Buster and Greg Jr.? Greg Jr. last week, I believe, he made a big play on the ball in team drills. Uh, it was either 11 on 11 or seven on seven. And so, yeah, he's impressive. Haven't seen a ton of Buster Brown yet, but I think both of those guys were good draft picks where they got them in the sixth and seventh round. I, I predicted, I believe already, I think I did a 53 man roster prediction. If I didn't, I apologize for lying to you here, but in my head, looking at the 53 man roster, I think junior and Brown both have a really good shot at making that 53-man roster for the Jaguars. So, yeah, I would have the Jags above the Giants and the Jets. And then you've got the Lions here at 24. Again, I think the Jaguars are more talented than the Lions. A lot of people are, are big fans of Dan Campbell, the program he's building, the talent they've been adding. I think the Jaguars are a better football team than the Lions. I think they have more talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have a better quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff, yeah, he's proven that he can be a manageable starter, a game manager maybe. I don't see Detroit having a major impact in 2022. And the good thing is we'll get to find out. Jaguars play the Lions and the Jets. Washington Commanders come in at 23. So this is the area where I'm starting to look at teams and say, yeah, they probably should be ahead of the Jaguars right now. The Washington Commanders, I would, we'll see week one, right? Jaguars at Commanders. I think the Jaguars will be a better team than the Commanders by the end of the season. I don't know if they will be at the beginning of the season. Doug Peterson's a better coach than Ron Rivera. Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Uh, the Jaguars and Commanders, I think overall, if you look at the rest of the rosters, maybe Commanders have more talent. Certainly that defensive line is beastly. But quarterback, Coach, you take the Jaguars quarterback and coach over the commanders. And then you've got the Vikings and Steelers. Yeah, I would have both of those teams ahead of the Jaguars at this point. Kirk Cousins is a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. You've got um, you've got 
talent around him and Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen. Still got some talent on the defensive side of the ball. You added Lewis Seen. Steelers, it's difficult to place them low, right? I mean, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL, thoroughly underrated. They do have a new quarterback situation, but will Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett be worse than what Ben Roethlisberger was the last couple of years? I don't really think so. I think the Steelers are in a decent position to compete. And you've got the Saints, the Dolphins, Patriots, I get it, Titans. All those teams probably should be ahead of the Jaguars. Critty says, what do the Steelers have? They have one of the best coaches in football. They have a really good receiver room. They have Najee Harris, who's a very good running back. They have a defense that is consistently competitive. They've got a lot, in my opinion. And they've got a coach who's never had a losing season in the NFL. Yeah, so I think I would have the Jaguars ahead of the Giants, Jets, and Lions, and right there tied with the Commanders around 23 in the NFL. Overall, I think Munson, he's on the money when he says he doesn't think the wide receiver room or the offensive line are above average. But when you factor in the idea that the tight ends are going to make such a big impact with the Doug Peterson offense, with the talent that they have at that position, I think you're kind of missing the mark there. And then also just saying they're rolling the dice on talent in the draft. I mean, that's what you do in the draft. So I I don't really get the point there. But they added four really talented players with their first four picks. Uh, They really solidified their run defense. And I think that's going to help them in their division. So, yeah, I I don't agree with a ton of Munson's analysis. And I think the Jaguars should be about three spots higher. But overall... Nothing too egregious from Munson on this one. Deborah Green, my mom, says, you did a way too early roster prediction a few weeks ago. I thought I did. Just making sure. All right, Chase says, did you see much from Jeff Cotton? I'd like to see him on the field. Great catches last preseason. Yeah, Cotton is a guy that's going to be competing for, in all likelihood, a practice squad spot. Um, The Jaguars have seven guys that I think are at least seven receivers that are ahead of him in the pecking order right now with Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, LaVisca Chenault, uh, uh, Kevin Austin, and Laquan Treadwell. Yeah. Chef Florida Boy says they have a lot talking about the Steelers. Absolutely. <laughs> They have a Watt, and that makes a big difference. I like Jeff Cotton, too. I just don't think at this point he's going to be a guy that's going to be getting on the field for the Jaguars outside of major injuries. Krakatoa says, Kevin Austin sticking around, do you think? It's tough. Uh, Do the Jaguars keep seven receivers? Do they keep six receivers? Sometimes in the past, Doug Peterson's only kept five receivers. He's a guy that will really evaluate the roster and make decisions based on that. He's not dogmatic in the idea like, I have to have six receivers going into the season. I have to have seven receivers. He's going to do what makes the most sense for the roster, and I appreciate that. With that said, do I see Kevin Austin sticking around? He has great athleticism. He has shown the ability to make some difficult catches, but he has not been consistent catching the easy ones. 
In the NFL, you've got to run the right routes. You've got to be where you're supposed to be, and you've got to catch the passes you you're, you should catch. I haven't seen him prove that he can do that yet. It's a long way to go, very early on for him. Uh, if he comes on in training camp, I think he'll stick around. It's too early to say at this point, to be completely honest. But I think the Jaguars want him to prove that he can stick around because he does have potential to develop into a starting receiver in the NFL. He absolutely does have that potential, but he's got to lock in, be a professional, improve the hands consistency. And uh, if he does those things, he should be. John says focus drops. I mean, to me, I would say it's focus drops. You go from catching passes from from uh, Jack Cohn at Notre Dame, who love him. He's He's a quality quarterback, but he does not have the biggest arm out there. Trevor Lawrence is throwing some heaters, and and these guys in camp certainly have bigger arms than Cone did at Notre Dame, so maybe they're just getting on him a little quick. But, yeah, he just needs to be able to lock in and and catch the football. Chase says, what does Jeff lack? Is he small, slaughter, outside receiver? What does he lack? Uh, Pedigree, I would say, really. I mean, if if Jeff Cotton was a guy that came in as a draft pick or an undrafted free agent that was brought in like Kevin Austin, you know, given some guarantees, they obviously like the talent, then he would probably be in a better position. But I think Cotton can play. I just don't think he can supplant anybody in front of him without just absolutely blowing up in camp which he could do. I mean, he has talent. I agree with you. He's not too small. I think he's an outside receiver. I don't think he's the quickest receiver, if you want to talk about that. I just think continuing to develop as a route runner, as a guy who can create separation is what Jeff Cotton needs to do. But it's just going to be tough for him. It's always tough for these receivers because all of these receivers are talented. You look at they just got rid of Terry Godwin and uh, and Josh Hammond, both of those guys have made plays in training camp for the Jaguars, in preseason for the Jaguars. But it is tough to crack wide receiver rooms. There's so much talent in the NFL at wide receiver, talent coming out of college at wide receiver. It's just really competitive. And Laquan Treadwell, he has pedigree. He showed last year that he can get the job done as a role player. Kevin Austin, they brought in here. They value him. Obviously, LaVisca and Jamal have proven a lot more than Jeff Cotton, and then your top three aren't aren't getting supplanted by Cotton. Robert says the Colts' O-line is overrated and didn't address their left left tackle either. Let's see what Sam said about the Colts. They come in at 15 in his rankings. In a tough spot after a failed Carson Wentz experiment last season, the Colts somehow managed to upgrade at quarterback this offseason with a franchise altering without a franchise-altering cost. Matt Ryan may be a declining force, but he's still ranked eight places higher than Wentz in PFF grades last season and is at his best in a dome. I agree with that. The Colts were a Wentz disaster away from the playoffs a season ago, and they should have their sights firmly set on playoff football again this year. Okay, so he didn't address the offensive line. I don't think the Colts have a bad offensive line. John says 15. Do you think that's high or low? 14 teams make the playoffs. I think the Colts should be the favorites in the AFC South right now uh, above Tennessee because I think they have 
uh, better overall offensive weapons. And, and I think Matt Ryan in a dome is going to be really good when you look at having a dominant running game with Jonathan Taylor, you look at um, Michael Pittman developing, you, you added uh, our guy out of Cincinnati, Alec Pierce in the draft, who I think is going to help. And they just have a solid defense. I know Darius Leonard came out yesterday that he had a little back procedure, but they still expect him to be ready for the regular season. John says little high, but I'm not looking too much into them. Yeah, I don't think the Colts are a team that's going to make noise in the playoffs unless that offensive line and Jonathan Taylor are just unstoppable. I don't think they're going to really make too much noise in the playoffs because I don't think they're probably going to earn home field advantage. Certainly not past the first round. <laughs> Robert says Taylor had 17 yards at halftime week 18. Exactly. Which is why I have the Jaguars beating the Colts in it in Jacksonville for what the eighth straight year. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, but the Jaguars come in at 27th in PFF's latest um, power rankings. I would have them probably around 22 or 23 at this point uh, with some upward mobility possible. Thanks to Doug Peterson. Thanks to the development of Trevor Lawrence. Thanks to adding Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf. Thanks to a defense that should be able to have answers against the run, have answers against the pass. You've got a ton of quality run defenders in Foley Fatu Kasi, Roy Robertson Harris, Malcolm Brown. Devon Hamilton should take a step forward. Um, you've also got Aluakun, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, very good against the run. Uh, Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin are both good run defenders as corners. And Andre Sisco and Rayshon Jenkins can play the run. I think you, you're able to stop the run. Are you able to stop the pass? Uh, I think so. Devin Lloyd is a very good pass coverage backer. Chad Muma is, is as well. You've added Darius Williams, who's a good cover man. I think you should be able to get after the passer with Josh Allen, with Trayvon Walker, Arden Key, Dewan Smoot, Roy Robertson-Harris. John says Jags go 3-3 three and three in the division. I think they go 3-3 three and three if they only beat the Texans once. I think there's a chance they go 4-2. and two. I think they'll knock off the Titans and the Colts once apiece. It's all about the Texans. Robert says Griffin look faster in camp. Griffin is fast. Like that's a fast man right there. Uh, he's a very good athlete. Uh, I think the Jaguars, while they don't have like a superstar corner right now, Tyson Campbell could develop into the next star corner if deployed properly. And if he continues to uh, take it seriously, which he is, I mean, this guy's a pro already. You want Campbell to develop into the number one guy with Griffin as and Williams as the support. Uh, but even if Campbell just plays how he did down the stretch in 2021, you're probably looking at a, uh, a top 10 cornerback room. I would say top 10, top 12, just based on the fact that you've got three really good starters. Uh, you've got guys Behind them and Trey Herndon and Xavier Crawford that you feel good about, veterans. And then you've also got Buster Brown and and um, 
Gregory Jr. John says, did Griffin get an INT at OTA? He did. OTA number seven. Talked to Trevor Lawrence about this one on Monday. Afterwards, there was a lot of pressure getting into the backfield on Monday. And um, Tom McManus, who I'm working with over on the Relevant app, he's a former Jaguars player. He said it really favors the defensive line when you're not able to have pads on and really get in there. But We'll see about how all that works out. But the defensive line was really creating a lot of pressure on this one play. I think you had three guys in the backfield. Trevor Lawrence was looking for the check down, but the check down got eaten up in, uh, by, by trying to pick up a blitzer. And Lawrence just launched the ball down the field, and it was really an easy interception for Shaquille Griffin. But it is good to see Griffin coming down with the football when he gets his opportunities to do so. Robert says Cisco is also flying around. Cisco looks great. I think he's super underrated uh, by the national media. I think people in Jacksonville understand what Cisco can be, but what what can he be is is a ball hawk, a guy who's always around the football, makes plays on the ball in the air. Uh, he's he's good at also punching the ball out. You saw that in Week 18 against the Colts with that forced fumble. Houdat says Cisco will lead the team in interceptions and will be the guy who lay the bomb. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think the one thing you can talk about with Cisco at times, his angles to the football are not perfect, but with more development, more playing time, more reps in practice, I think he'll continue to improve on that. But he can lay the wood, and he's absolutely a ball hawk back there. To wrap up the show here again, the Jaguars came in at 27th. I'd have them more like 22nd or 23rd ahead of teams like the Jets and Giants and Lions. I think they have a better quarterback situation than all those teams. I think they have a better head coach than all those teams. And quality talent throughout the rest of the roster. Do you want a wide receiver one? Absolutely you do. You don't have it, but you've got... Two really good starters, in my opinion, in Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones. Zay Jones is a guy that can do a lot of different things. And then you've got Jamal and LaVisca and a few other guys that can make an impact as well. Evan Ingram's going to make an impact. Dan Arnold going to make an impact. Roy can jump for his height, denying Trevor Pass, says Robert. Yeah, he, he got a pass deflection at OTA number seven on Monday. Roy Robertson Harris was all over the field. He was really playing well. Thanks so much for tuning in, Duval. Don't forget, I will be live on the relevant app at 2 p.m. today for Delugo on Duval. Hit me up on Twitter at Jordan Delugo and follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube and check genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, and Duval gear. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. HERO.co. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.